Welcome to the Bacon Games Podcast, your source for the latest from the MLB and the NFL. Let's get started with your host, Jesse. guys and welcome back to the bacon games podcast i'm joined by some guys who you may have never heard of may have never been on the show before but you know they seem like pretty good dudes they're okay guys we got jonah and josh back what's up guys jj talks hey what's, what's going up? on jesse thank you for having us back <laughs> yeah of course i know i gotta i gotta differentiate you guys when i want you all to, y'all to talk but uh yeah i got the jj crew uh jj talks crew back on the pod we're talking some nfc south uh, preview, I guess, first. And, you know, I, had some, I had some questions about the NFC South that, um, you know, I, I feel like these guys are the best to answer them. So we're going to start it off straight up with the Saints. We're just going to go through each one of these teams, and we're going to talk about some questions I have, maybe some camp competition, stuff like that, predicting some win-loss record, and then just a wrap-up at the end. So the first one we got is the Saints. Um, for this whole thing, so it's just going to be easier for me, uh, Josh, you can go ahead and go first for all these questions, and then Joni, you'll go for the next round, which I think is the Falcons, and we'll just do it like that, so I don't have to call on you all the time. Does that make sense? All right. All right, no problem. Sounds good. Yeah. Do you guys want to shout out your stuff before we start, though? Yeah, sure. Uh, hey, we're JJ Talks. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at JJ Talks Pod. show is currently on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, wherever all the podcasts get uploaded. <laughs> but Joni and I, were both Falcons fans, um, but we're not that uh, biased towards them yet, where... We'll uh, see. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, I guess we'll see. Um, yeah, I, I might surprise y'all a little bit, but uh, yeah, th- that's us. Um, we upload epi- episodes every Tuesday and Friday during the off season, during season. So we're never far away from you. So yeah. True. That is very true. All right, but let's let's get it up. Let's start with the Saints. All right, we're just gonna do for each one. What do you got for win loss record, guys? What, how are you feeling about the Saints this year? Okay, so this is. The, the timing of this is actually pretty great because we just did our NFC South episode, I believe, last week, like last Tuesday. And my initial thoughts pre-Michael Thomas injury were 8-9. and nine. After that, though, I, I gave them another L, and I had them going 7-10. and 10. Okay. Okay. I feel that. Um, I've actually got them 8-9, so we're right about in the same ballpark there. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, what about you, Jonah? Yeah, sorry, yeah. Yeah, uh, I also had to drop them. I actually had them going 10 and 7 before the Michael Thomas injury because I do believe they've still got some talent there. Now, obviously, the quarterback position is a giant question mark, and we're going to get to that in a second. But without Michael Thomas, my goodness, this wide receiver core scares me so much. I just have no clue where they're going to go. Like, it's like Alvin Kamara might as well be the wide receiver one at this point. So. I'll have them going nine and eight because I do think they still got some nice talent on that defense. And I think they could probably do enough on offense to at least be serviceable, but they very much just look like an average 500 team to me. And since you can't go 500 anymore, nine <laughs> and eight, I'll, I'll go with that. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so, so it looks like we're all in a similar ballpark. I would say, I mean, what we got seven and 10, eight and nine and then nine and eight. So yeah. we're, we're all pretty much there, right? <laughs> Um, and, yeah. and I get, I, I share those concerns about the wide receiver group. I, I get that for sure. Um, there isn't a lot of guys behind Thomas. It feels like they were really counting on him to go there because I don't think they drafted anyone, unless I'm mistaken. No one um, notable, uh, at least. Yeah, and even if they did, it was like late, right? Yeah. Was it Kwan Baker? Was that the guy? Yeah, seventh think, round. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, not, not a lot here. Really not a lot here, especially we're talking about in terms of um, uh, experience. You know, I think people have mm-hmm. mentioned Marquez Callaway, but uh, we'll see about that. But yeah, the first uh, first thing I guess I really want to talk about with the Saints is um, who do you th- who do you guys think um will win the starting job, and then or, or who yeah who do you think will win, and then who should win? Those are two separate things. We'll just go with who do you think will win the first one. Okay, uh, this is going to answer both those questions for me. To me, is Jameis. I, I don't think Taysom Hill is a good quarterback, just point blank period. And I think Jameis, while I mean, he does have his issues, everyone knows it's, it's a turnover thing. But maybe being under Drew Brees and uh, Sean Payton will hopefully iron those out and the whole ice surgery thing, uh, that meme too. But I, I can't seriously take Taysom Hill being a starting quarterback for a team for an entire season. It's a fun little gimmick. It's fine, but the, the dude is just not a starting caliber quarterback. And I don't believe Sean Payton is the, the kind of guy that's going to be looking to, uh, you know, waste a season away. Yeah, he's a perfectly good backup for whenever Drew Brees went down. But as far as, like, an entire season, I just I can't see it. And I, I've, I've seen a lot of people saying that now the Michael Thomas injury, you know, why would you go with Jameis? You, you kind of would have to go with Taysom, right? You know, you want to keep it run-centric and stuff. To me, you know, even without Michael Thomas, like, I still would want it for Jameis. I mean, I, I don't know, man. Um, I, I think the, a, big, a, a big reason for why all of our expectations are kind of lowered on the Saints is, in fact, because of the, uh, the quarterback position itself. And it, it just – Jameis should be the starter. I think he'll win it outright. But I, I just – I don't know how they're going to get it done. Alvin Kamara should definitely be the top target now. And at the point, at the half a point of the season, I just, I don't know if Michael Thomas comes back, if he's fully healthy, ready to go. And I, I could completely see a possibility where they're like, hey, we're clearly not, you know, a serious contender. Just lay low. We'll get you healthy so that by the time we get back to next season, you will be good to go. So I think yeah, that was a whole like, long run. <laughs> okay, no, I mean, I mean that's fair. That's fair. Sean, what do you think? Yeah, I'm also on board with having Jameis be the starter. I think he probably will win it and probably should. And I think honestly, if you could read the minds of the Saints, I think they want Jameis to win it because I think it would at least be easier for them long term. Because if you do have Taysom Hill win it. He's like going to be 33 this season, I think. So it's not like he's a young buck at this point. At least with Jameis, I think he's like 27. So you can at least potentially see like a long-term answer if, and now granted, they'd have to figure out contract stuff and all, but at least he's a bit younger. There's at least some a chance of him being developed. And right at this point, I think you know where you're getting with Jameis. So if they're going to bank on upside, especially considering... Now, with the Michael Thomas injury, you don't really know what you're going to get from the receiving group. I think you're going to have to go with Jameis, but I'm not confident in either option at this point. Okay, okay. So I'm going to I'm gonna take the opposite approach. I think Taysom should win this. I think he will actually win this, too. Um, I don't know why you keep a guy like this, like that around, pay him as much as they're going to pay him, you know, in whatever dollars, that, whatever the contract looks like. He signed a big thing, but, like, no guarantees, right, last season. I feel like if you pay a guy that much, you know, you want him to be, be your guy. I mean, how much are they paying Winston? Um, I feel like Peyton is just, he wants to be smarter than everyone else, and I kind of get it. And I also think 
that Winston is such a bad quarterback that he had a team with all of the talent in the world, only led them to 7-9, and nine, and the next year they won a Super Bowl. I know Tom Brady is a good quarterback. I get it. I mean, he's, he's the GOAT. But, like, when you have a team that is as good as Tampa Bay was in 2019, and then you just switch up the quarterback— and then you go like literally win win the whole thing. I, I I feel like that says something about how much James was holding you back. I know he scored like thirty touchdowns. He did throw thirty interceptions. He lost them at least three or four games that year. I remember watching the entire uh, the the entirety of that season for for um, uh, Tampa Bay in twenty nineteen, and they were good. They were just as good. I mean, outside of quarterback as they were last year. And Jameis could not do it. He couldn't win games. Now, that was a year ago. That was a long time. Maybe Sean Payton's able to do something with him, and maybe it'll be a little bit different. But um, Jameis loses you games, and with the team as talented outside of the quarterback position as New Orleans can be, um, I, I think it just – you kind of can't turn the ball over. You'll lose more games. I, I think if Jameis does win the job, though, uh, which is definitely a possibility, if, if he starts losing a lot, it's going to be a Taysom Hill show. And, I mean, he won – what was he, like 4-0 last year? I mean, he was at least at least won three games, I think, right? Oh, he was uh, three and one as a starter. I want to say, so I mean, you know, kind of, kind of feels like he should and would win the job. I mean, they didn't give it to Jameis. He was on the roster last year, right? Or am I wrong yeah, about that? Yeah, yeah he was. But the the one thing What's I'll that? say though, at least in terms of the wins, but those three wins were against a Broncos team that didn't have a quarterback and the mm-hmm. Falcons twice, who ended up four and twelve. Yep. So it's not like they were impressive. Yeah, I don't disagree. Um, I just know that he didn't lose those games. And I think Jameis definitely is in the right uh, or the place of losing those games. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean that that's fair. I, I've seen Jameis wreck the Falcons defense before, so I have no confidence <laughs> in the Falcons being able to stop Jameis at all. But no, I completely understand it. Like it, 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 you could have the argument, like I said, of like it's not like they were impressive, but you need to win the games you should win, and they were able to win those with Jameis or with Taysom, despite you know his effectiveness can be argued. Yeah, I just I just feel like with with this talent of the team, it just seems like a waste if Jameis is throwing picks every like you know, like three or four picks, you know, every other game. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, and also if Jameis does win this, I think he's going to have a short leash because, like you said, mm. if he ends up having this turnover issue that we saw a lot when he was in Tampa, like he could do that for maybe three or four games, and then it's going to go back to Taysom because at least with Taysom, while you know he's not got the biggest arm. He's super athletic, but his accuracy is a bit more of a question mark. And, I mean, Jameis is probably a question mark, too. I'm not going to lie there. But um, you at least know Taysom's not going to turn the ball over as much. So, at least in comparison to what we know from Jameis back in Tampa. So, if yeah. if, if Jameis comes in and he's throwing picks left and right, I think he's going to have a super, super short leash. And I think you're just going to put Taysom Hill, Taysom Hill back in there and see what happens. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely more agreeable with the Taysom Hill stuff, and I definitely think you're right that they do have. He, he Probably either quarterback will have a short lease if they start the season as, you know, whatever they are. Um, is there anything else the you want thing, to say about that? Yeah, go ahead. The one thing I wanted to say about Jameis is that, yeah, he was like a, a turnover machine for – he wasn't as bad as his uh, his last season with the Bucs, uh, you know, when it was his first season with Bruce Arians. Um, being on that first year with Bruce Arians for any quarterback – uh, it's, I don't believe that was a good uh, match right there. Um, you you have an already turnover prone young quarterback in Jameis Winston going with Bruce Arians, who I think is going to override you know any quarterback that he has at the helm, and he's just going to be like, why aren't you passing this? You know, why are we not taking deep shots? You know, I, I can't. I, I kind of feel like a turnover prone young quarterback meeting with Bruce Arians who wants to throw the ball forty plus times a game <laughs> is not a good match right there. 
And we've seen from even some of the best quarterbacks. I mean, Tom Brady had a shaky start last season. He didn't get it until about, what, what week 10, week 11 anyways. And then before then, Carson Palmer was turning the ball all, turning the ball over in his first season with uh, Bruce Arias. And it wasn't until the following year when they were going to the playoffs and the Cardinals were a serious team. And then before then, Kurt Warner, too. So it's not like, uh, yeah, Jameis was a turnover machine. It wasn't to the same degree as it was in his first season with Bruce Arias. So I'll, to defend Jameis, I'll, I'll, I'll send him that. <laughs> Either way, though, whoever starts for this, like this, the quarterback position week one, um, I kind of like how Jonah said, I do believe they're probably going probably to be going back and forth. They have a short leash because the, they, they face the Packers, who are now going to have Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams back. They go and face the Panthers, who I believe the Panthers are a better team currently right now, and then the Patriots, and I think they're a better team this year currently. So um, I, I feel like either way, whoever's starting, they're going to get a short leash. They'll probably start off 0-2, 0-3, and then there's going to be an outcry, and we're like, okay, well, this isn't working, so we'll try with a different guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, I think there's plenty of that going on. It's tough. I, I really don't know how to make a good call on the situation. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it yeah. Just, it, yeah. And what makes I feel it like also re- going to be right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, and what makes it real tough in terms of like a long, like the in- whole landscape for the Saints is based off of our records and our predictions. We're kind of expecting them to be about a 500 team, give or take a couple wins. Well, that's not good enough to get a high draft pick if you wanted to draft a quarterback next year. And even next year, the quarterback class, at least for right now, does not look that great. So they're in terms of the long term, they're not in the greatest position in terms of the quarterback position. They don't have a true answer. And I think they have enough talent to where they're not going to end up with like a top five pick. So they're going to be in that weird in between area. Like, okay, we technically have t- t- or yeah, Taysom Hill for long term, but they're really voidable years. Jameis Winston's on a one year deal, and we're probably going to end up like middle of the pack in the draft, which isn't a great spot to take a quarterback. So I'm really intrigued to see what they want to do after this season with the quarterback position. Yeah, they definitely don't seem like they have a, the long term option there for sure. Um, it, it could be an interesting quarterback class, but yeah, we'll, we'll have to see about this year. I'm a big fan of Malik Wilson. We'll, we'll see how that works out. Um, but yeah, um, all right, let's move on to the next question. I have, we've mentioned this guy before, but what do you think the impact is of the Michael Thomas injury for fantasy and real life? I um, I don't I don't know if you guys have like the exact time frame. It doesn't seem like there is one, but I want to say it's like two months. Uh, almost like two months of the season. The, uh, is that correct? Or? The most recent report I saw, and I, I wish I could quote whoever gave it out, but uh, um, it was a from the surgery. The surgery happened in mid-June, I believe. Yeah. And the time frame that was given was 12 to 16 weeks. So that's a four-month period. So uh, mm-hmm. the the guesstimation yeah. is about uh, the halfway point of the season. Yeah, okay. Okay. But yeah, what do, what do, you, what do, you, what do you think? Uh, for we, we can talk about real. I mean, I think... I think we know the the real life impact like we said they have a pretty like short uh, wide receiving group not too much there but i think i think the main point is most interesting point is the fantasy impact you know where are we taking him now okay so michael thomas himself um i believe in most redraft leagues are probably going around uh from the ones i saw today when i was preparing for this was around 10 and 11 and i'd honestly you know take it i mean if worse comes to worse you know in round 10 and 11 it's like okay Am I going to be banking on this like low end wide receiver three or uh, Michael Thomas? And I could just put him on IR. Yeah, he might be wasting the bench spot or whatever, but it's Michael Thomas. And I mean, I don't. I wouldn't take him anything higher than that. Um, but as far as like where he goes, is like low end flyer with that area. Then yeah, I'll take him. 
Okay, so would you say like round ten, round eleven, right? That that's that's about right. Was that like? Yeah. Uh, like yeah. I that, feel like okay. if anything, this is more positive for Alvin Kamara and Adam Troutman, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, Troutman's the guy for sure. Um, that I, I think yeah, it makes sense too. Joe, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I I'm probably gonna take him around that same area. I will say this though, I only have him in one of my leagues right now, and it's actually a dynasty league. And in that league, I have Michael Thomas. Devontae Adams and Amari Cooper as my top three. And then my two flexes are Juju and Judy. So I was like, thank goodness I've got receiver depth because (laughs) I was so angry when I saw him get hurt. I was like, come on. I was going to have like the best wide receiver trio in my entire draft. Dang it. Oh, legit. Yeah, that's real good. But but yeah, I think you hope that you can get him around that spot. And even if you have to place one IR for a while, I mean, you can realistically think when he comes back, he's easily going to become a top two option just for the lack of, you know, good players right now in that receiving group. And he's easily going to be the best receiver when he comes back. Now he may be limited when he comes back. It'll really depend. I think on where they are in like a playoff hunt. Maybe they try to rush him back a little bit, or maybe they let, let it kind of take its time, but you can kind of expect him to become a number two, three option at minimum. Uh, by the time he does get back. So I would definitely just take the chance, let him sit on IR for a while, and be happy with your guy come the halfway point in the season. Okay, that's fair. I'm curious where you guys had him before this, because um, for me, he was my wide receiver 8, or I'm sorry, my wide receiver 9, and I moved him all the way down to wide receiver 42. So I was real high on him before, but there's just so many good wide receivers now. We're not really sh- I. I, I I think, you know, like people said, it's supposed to be a four-month thing or it's supposed to be done out halfway in this two weeks, two months of the season, whatever. I, it could be a lot longer than that. So I just, there's a lot of, uh, you know, s- scary shit going on. I mean, Michael Thomas had the injury issue all last year, right? Um, I, it's it's a little tough. So he just drops your far. But I'm curious where you guys had him before. I personally had him as wide receiver 13. But you, you, yeah. you get that area where it's like anywhere from like seven to like 15. Right. Really yep. find them like really interchangeable. I um, totally the reason agree. why I didn't have in the top 10 was because of it's not Drew Brees. And it, even with my expectations of James going in, and yeah, we know him as to be uh, just like a gunslinger pretty much. Um, he's actually great at, you know, hitting targets on slants, which is what Michael Thomas is really known for. And I mean, either way, he was still going to be the, the lone dog in this wide receiver group. And he'll have his own share. Um, I'm worried about a little bit of a touchdown. You know, he, I don't think he'll get a lot of touchdowns this season, even if he was starting the whole year with Jameis or Taysom. And it was just going to be just purely targets. And um, it's not really to say like anything against Michael Thomas. It's more so the fact that I believe a lot of wide receivers are going to be, you know, rising as the cream of the crop above him. Okay, yeah, I I I think that's totally fair. Um, without Drew Brees, sure, he was still very accurate, still very good. Um, I, I, well, I think this might just go, we might just be not opposed, but like different, we just think different quarterbacks will be there. Cause I love Taysom Hill with Michael Thomas. I think that's a great, great matchup or a great, great group there. Cause I mean, Hill doesn't have the greatest deep ball and Thomas is fine. Really. I mean, be- the best around the short areas. Right. So I just feel, I feel good about that. If it comes back and, you know, I think by the halfway point, we'll see which quarterback is really the guy, you know? So and I, I think that's Taysom as I'm, and to be fair, I'm also not a Taysom like truth or like, I don't think he's that good, but I just think very, very lowly of uh, Jameis, so it's kind of where I'm at with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Jameis honestly might be good for the rest of wide receiving group. I mean, Deontay Harris and um, what is it, Troy? Is it Troy Smith? Mario? Oh, I'm sorry, what's his name? Traquan Smith. I'm sorry. Um, they're yeah, they're like deep yeah. ball guys, right? So I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll see about that. Um, 
I honestly but, don't even yeah. really know what to fully expect. All I know is, is like, I want Alvin Kamara and maybe, <laughs> maybe Troutman if, like, my other people haven't been listening to other fantasy podcasts because they seem to be hyping him up uh, just way beyond what I really want to take him if it's, like, a late, like, seventh or eighth rounder. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, I want Alvin Kamara, and that's pretty much it. Even from the quarterback group, I, mm. I would say this is going to go against what I, like, want, like, real life realistically, but I would take Taysom. And oh, yeah. it. I, I wouldn't even touch Jameis, but Taysom, you know, he has the rushing upside. And I'm not even sure if it's still viable, but if, if you could somehow find a way to put Taysom as your tight end quarterback slot or whatever, then that, that's way more valuable than what Jameis is going to offer you. True. Very true. Um, Jonah, were you high on um, Michael Thomas before? I mean, he was not necessarily a guy that I was continuously like looking at. And, like, I only have Michael Thomas in that one league, and I got him in the sixth round in the, in a dynasty draft. So, I it was – and that was after, like, I picked up – and, you know, it was funny. You were mentioning, like, you wanted – I think you said uh, Alvin Kamara and Troutman. I also have Kamara and Troutman in the same league. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I took Kamara before him. I ended up with Devontae Adams, too. I got George Kittle as well. So, like – he wasn't like super high. It was almost like a value pick. I think a lot of people were kind of dropping him a little bit. And I was like, I mean, sure, I'll take him. I, he's not a guy I was really targeting because, mm. a, as I think you would agree with me, the wide receiver group this year especially is just so deep in drafts. Mm. Like you, you mm-hmm. can wait like until like the 10th, 11th round and still get very, very good receivers. So I wasn't super big on, you know, taking him, but it was more of a value time. So, I mean... Yeah, I mean, I was I was very fine with taking him in the sixth round and like in a dynasty draft, but but now given that he's probably going to be falling a little bit, I would be very happy getting that value later on, even if I won't be able to have him for half a season. Mm-hmm. Okay, that, that makes sense. Um, I think those are, you know, very very. I, I appreciate those those uh, responses because yeah, I mean, wide receiver, I think just generally is so hard. That's why it drops so far for me. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't know when he's coming back, but and there's just but there's like a billion other wide receivers I want. I mean, I yeah, I just injuries can be tough, especially coming back midseason. So and right. you don't want to roster that guy too long. I yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Um, but yeah, okay. I want to talk a little bit. I think we're gonna hit on the defenses for most of these most of these teams, but um, I really thought Janoris Jenkins was a big part of why this team this defense was pretty good last year, um, or, or the team was very good last year. And he's gone now. He's in he's in Tennessee right now. He's getting a little bit older anyway. Lattimore was. I think a lot better in the second half of the year, but I, I'm I'm kind of worried about the secondary a little bit. Like, look, I like Marcus Williams. I think it's hard not to like him. Um, and you know they have Malcolm Jenkins, but he's like what, like 34 years old. Um, the rest of it, besides Lattimore, is not great. And Lattimore has not been you know star power since like he was a a rookie really. Um, so I, I think I worry a little bit about the secondary. I know we talked about how good the team is. They got a great offensive line. I think the defensive line's really good too, but. I'm worried about the secondary. What do, what do you guys think? Do you think it's a liability, the liability for this team, really, besides wide receiver or quarterback? Uh, you know what? Losing Janoris, yeah, that's a big like loss, obviously. I still think the defense is still like well-rounded enough, just like very average, just you no, know, right there, and just a, just keep it short. That's how I think of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, that, I mean, look, that's fair. Um, I. I think they were, I don't know. I mean, like, I love this defensive line. I like Devonport. Obviously, Jordan is, like, amazing. He's he's not, hasn't really lost a step. Um, I mean, Demario Davis has been very good. I like Pete Warner, the guy that drafted out of Ohio State. 
Um, yeah, I just, I, I think secondary is just so important. I mean, obviously the defensive line helps with that and, you know, good pass rushers help with that. But I mean, I'm, I'm worried. Jonah, are you worried with me, man? Well, I, I mean, I guess it's worried is a hard way to put it because I'm a Falcons fan. So I'm hoping we can spend <laughs> the defense. <laughs> um, but I will absolutely say this. I feel like they're going to drop off some because mm. while the defensive line I'm fine with, because you mentioned Cam Jordan. I feel like he destroys the Falcons every single year. He's fantastic. <laughs> Marcus Davenport, while at the time and what they traded up to get him, I thought was an overpay. I still think he's a very, very solid pass rusher. I like Onyemata as well. So I think the defensive line is going to be fine. And I like Demario Davis as middle linebacker. I'm curious to see how their outside linebackers play. I liked Zach Bond. I thought he was a really, really nice pickup in the draft a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Pete Werner, I'm not as high on. I think he's a very solid tackler, but I'm not a big fan of him in space. And I feel like like running backs could really abuse him at times. So I'm wondering if people can take advantage of that matchup. Now, I'm not entirely sure how they're going to deploy Werner. If they're going to use him in a zone, I would prefer them not. But if they do, I'm interested to see how that goes. But yeah, it's in terms of the secondary. Look, Marshawn Lattimore is Marshawn Lattimore. I think there's no issues with that. And Marcus Williams is fine. But that second cornerback spot, I feel like, has been a revolving door for the Saints for the past few years. And Jenkins filled it fairly well. But now we have CJ Gardner-Johnson going in that spot. And while I, I'm okay with CJ, I'm not super big on him being their CB2. I liked him more as, you know, kind of playing in the nickel, which I think yeah, he was like actually doing. Did a, mm-hmm. Yeah, he did a pretty good job there. And in the two spot, I'm not as high on. And then you got Patrick Robinson, who at times has looked okay. Other times he's kind of gotten abused. And then you got the rookie, Adabo from Stanford, who's looking to kind of be mm. their fourth corner spot. So definitely they are losing depth in that secondary. And I think the CB2 spot can absolutely get abused. And... Lattimore, you know he's going to be matching up against their top guy. If you've got a team, like let's say they face the Vikings, and you've got two top receivers, they could really, really abuse them. So I'm really interested to see if these young corners can really grow up because they're going to need them to. Okay. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I, yeah, I didn't like the guy out of Stanford. It wasn't, I, I was not a fan of that. I thought that was too high. And I like Garner Johnson inside. I think Poole plays uh, a lot of slots, so he'll, he'll probably take over that Brian Poole. Yeah, I am um, so upset that he's freaking with the Saints tag down there. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, you're right about uh, Gardner Johnson, though. He's He seems way better suited for the slot. So him as number two does does scare me for sure. It's a good point. Um, Yeah, okay, all right. That's that's enough Saints talk. I know you guys are itching to get to the next one. Let's talk Falcons. Um, For the, the win-loss record, um, we got Jonah up first. What do you got for this? All right, so I am realistic with my Falcons, as I feel like I am usually... <laughs> Um, I know that offensively they don't have Julio Jones anymore. Sad face. And like realistically, look, I think I th- I love Calvin Ridley. I think he's going to be great as long as he is healthy. However, it's really looking like the second option right now is a guy that has not played a single NFL snap yet in Kyle Pitts, which concerns me. I know people are like ready to go ahead and give him the golden jacket right now, even though he hasn't touched the field yet. But <laughs> when he's your second option, I mean. I don't like I, as much as I am very much on board with look Kyle Piss, He's basically not a tight end. He's a receiver, but he's still like, he's a rookie and they're going to have rookie growing pains. And so I'm, I'm concerned with that. And defensively, they have lost so much talent. That's our secondary scares the living daylights out of me because we've got 
a dude named Eric Harris that was on the on Vegas last year being our starting safety. That's terrifying. And <laughs> outside of our um, solid CB1, CB2, CB3, I don't know who is going to man those positions, and I don't like any of the options. I think defensive line is going to be okay. I need Dante Fowler to have a better year. And I think... I and I'm not just saying this because I'm a Falcons fan. I think we have the one of the better best linebacking cores in the NFL. I really, really do. With between Dion, Foyer, and Michael Walker, I really, really like them as a young linebacking core. I think they're gonna be great. But around them is really nerving. Now, I think Arthur Smith is gonna be able to come in with keys, and they're both schematically is gonna make things better than they probably should with the talent. With that being said, I have them going eight and nine, which is third in the division for me. So I think they're going to show some improvement, but I don't think they're a playoff team right now. I think last year they went four and 12. I don't think that team was as bad as their record showed, you know, especially in the beginning of the season with how many leads they choked shocker Falcons choking leads. But I, I think they will show closer to what they are. And right now I think they're an average slightly below average team. So I think they're going to go about eight and nine. Okay. All right, Josh, what do we think? You know, um, <laughs> this is going to be the highest I've been on in the Falcons in a while. Uh, for the past three seasons, I've had them going below 500. And maybe I'm just a little more optimistic and I'm just tired of being uh, a cynic, I guess. But I've been going 9-8. and eight, And I feel like that's probably closer to ceiling. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like they have an easy schedule. The entire NFC South has a relatively easy schedule. And... It does help that at the same time having a quarterback problem and they lost Michael Thomas. That does help. And while I think the Panthers are going to be improved, um, I, I kind of feel like they're just going to be fighting back and forth. Um, obviously, the Bucks are the Bucks; They're going to take the division anyways. But, yeah, I like the Falcons. I think they have a very positive schedule this season. Um, yeah, just have them going 9-8. and eight, uh, I can't really – it's kind of hard. I, I, I guess I just got hope if that's just going to keep it like that. Okay, okay, I got you. You got some hopium in there, no worries. I got him at 6-11. I don't think this team is uh, that much better than it was last year. Sure, you had Kyle Pitts. I don't know how much a rookie tight end is going to impact the win-loss column, to be honest, too much. Um, I mean, losing Julio is kind of a big deal, although he didn't play as much last year as I would have liked him, but he's not that not that old. Um, I, I like the line. Um, I think there's some good spots. You know, they drafted a lot of defense. I like um, what's his name? AJ Terrell. I still kind of like Isaiah Oliver a little bit, but he hasn't shown me enough. Um, I like Richie Grant, the safety they drafted in a pretty deep safety class. I think, you know, they got some stuff. Deion Jones is still a very good linebacker. You talked about the good linebacking group. I'll agree with that. I mean, you guys um, uh, still have Grady Jarrett, right? I mean, he's he's been insane for a long time, but it doesn't feel like there's enough there. And if the secondary is bad and young, which kind of is and might still be, I, I just I can't see them winning a lot of games in this division when I think Carolina is kind of a resurgent team and the other teams are kind of good. Um, it, it's going to be tough for them. But, I mean, I'll defer to you guys on how you feel more. So, you know, we, we can go with that. <laughs> um, but speaking of pits, which I, I think, you know, is kind of the biggest thing that people are talking about is, you know, what, do you, what what's like a realistic expectations for pits you guys have this year? We still have Hayden Hurst, so they traded for give up a third-round pick, I want to say. Still on a rookie deal, but, I mean, still should be involved. What do you guys think? I think, Jonah, you're going first, right? Yeah. Yeah, they gave up a second-round pick for Hurst. And I still remember when that happened. I was so upset. I was like, look, I don't even dislike Hayden Hurst, but a second round pick for a tight end? No. Like, for a tight end that hasn't been that great since he got drafted, I'd rather not. But it happened. That's Thomas Dimitrov. He ain't on the team anymore. 
I, I could probably rant about Thomas Dimitrov for an hour. But um, yeah, in terms of uh, in terms of Kyle Pitts, he was picked to number four overall. And like I said before, I think he's going to become the second option at, right now in terms of an actual downfield threat outside of Calvin Ridley. And because of that, I think he's pretty easily, and especially considering how the defense is probably going to be not that great, I wouldn't be surprised if he hit triple-digit targets this year in his rookie season, just for the sheer fact of he's going to be the second most talented receiver on the field for the Falcons, and they're probably going to be playing from behind, realistically, quite a bit. So I think he's going to get a bunch of targets. And in terms of a stat line, I'd probably say I'd give him probably 82 catches for about 815 yards and about seven touchdowns, which I think would put him for top five best rookie seasons, I believe, all time. And I'm not expecting him to be like a thousand yard receiver in his first season, but I, I think he's definitely got the talent. There's a reason that people have called him a unicorn ever since he was, you know, declared for the draft. I think he's going to be really, really good. And I think if Julio was still here, I would definitely drop that. But I think just because of the sheer fact that he's going to receive so many targets because there's only so many good players that the, they're going to have offensively, I think he's going to be able to put up a pretty decent stat line. So, yeah, around 80, 85 catches, about 815 yards and seven touchdowns, I think is a pretty honestly realistic expectation for Kyle Pitts, and I'd be pretty happy with that for a rookie season. And in terms of Hurst, I still think with Arthur Smith, we're going to see a lot of two tight end sets. I think Hurst is still going to get utilized because honestly, if you take Mike Davis out of the receiving group, which I'm not necessarily saying he's not going to be, but I don't think we're going to see much of Mike Davis out of the backfield just at a, as a guess, looking at how Arthur Smith has utilized his running backs in the past. I don't know how much we're going to see of that. So between the options, I think Hayden Hurst is probably going to be your fourth option. I, between Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts, Russell Gage is the top three. Hurst is probably going to be that fourth option. I'm not entirely sure what I would expect of his stat line, and but you're still going to see some Hurst. You're definitely going to still see him. He's probably a better blocking tight end right now than Kyle Pitts is, so he's going to end up on the field for sure. Um, but I do think you're going to see a lot of them playing together, but I don't think that's going to hurt Kyle Pitts' production that much just because I think Kyle Pitts, in terms of receiving threat, is quite a bit better even in his rookie season than Hayden Hurst currently is. Do, do you think we'll see um, Pitts lined up as wide receiver a lot this year? Yeah, I think I think Pitts is going to be moved around a lot. I mean, I think he's going to be in line, blocking tight end at, at certain times. I think he's going to be in the slot, and I think he's going to be outside. I think that's a benefit to him because of his size and his speed. I mean, a guy that is 6'6", with the largest wingspan we've seen, in decades and can run a sub four, four is just ridiculous. And so because of that, I think you're going to see th they're going to try to just give him that matchup. You know, Calvin Ridley is going to be moved around a little bit. He's probably going to be on the outside more often than not, but you're going to try to get Kyle Pitts lined up on a safety. You're going to try to get him lined up on a linebacker. So if that means moving him to the inside for play action or just taking him to the outside. I mean, I think he could beat a lot of corners in this league just because of his size and speed. So yeah, I think you're going to move him around a lot. And I think you could see him on the outside, basically lined up as a receiver quite a bit as well. Gotcha. Makes sense. Uh, 
Josh, I assume you're going to echo a lot of that. Uh, yes, yeah, similarly, I, I'm I'm actually a little bit higher on him. I had him going for 87 catches, 846 yards, and nine touchdowns. Actually, but just I just believe he's such a he's just a bit a big freak. There's no way you're going to get in the red zone and not target this guy. And um, I think a lot of people are going to question back and be like, "Well, hasn't Calvin Ridley been getting all these red zone touchdowns?" I think that's a product of having Julio Jones there. He took a lot of that attention away and it opened things up for Calvin Ridley up to just do whatever he wants with his route running. Um, now that Julio is gone. And Calvin Ridley is going to seemingly be the – I mean, he's going to be the one, right? Uh, I feel like he'll get a lot of attention there. And Kyle Pitts is just a big monster. There's no way you're not going to target him in the red zone. So I think he's going to make a, a bunch of his heyday in the red zone, get a lot of touchdowns. And, yeah, I, I kind of question he, he's a first-year tight end. He's a rookie and all. And having the uh, expectations are just so high, I, I don't think he'll be, like, over 900 yards or whatever, like some people are expecting – I still believe, you know, like Jonas said, if we had top five rookie tight end as far as historical records go, um, yeah, I, I like Al Pitts. I think he's going to be great too. And you were mentioning about uh, moving him around. So we've already seen videos of him in training camp with Arthur Smith around, and he's being used as blocking, you know, unlike what he was in, in uh, college. Uh, we've seen him line up at different spots on the line. We've seen him line up outside and in the slot. So I think having Arthur Smith there, for his tenure on the Titans, he was a tight ends coach and an O-line coach. I think that helps out drastically, especially for your generational talent rookie tight end. And I think he's going to have a great season, and I think there's a good chance he's going to be offensive rookie of the year. Okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, you guys are expecting, yeah, like a top five, maybe even top three, like rookie, like performance on the tight end. I think it really depends on where they line him up. If, if he has to learn a lot of the, like, inline stuff that he does, has to, like, you know, be able to handle as as a tight end. Um, I, I I don't think he'll get close to that stuff. Um, but I, I I really it does feel like he's going to line up a lot as wide receiver. I just I'm hoping to see it more in camp, like you guys mentioned a little bit, and I'm hoping to see it a little bit in preseason if he plays. Um, because if I see that, then I'm going to start raising him in my in my rankings or at least your fantasy. Because, but I, I don't trust rookie tight ends to do anything very well. Um, to be honest, it's such a hard position to learn. But if he just goes a wide receiver, I mean, we see wide receivers been amazing, and Pitts was a great wide receiver at Florida with Kyle Trask. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, I get that. It's hard for me to predict, you know, Hall of Fame status already, which I feel like a lot of people are. Um, but I like the talent a lot. I think there's a lot there. Um, so I I don't disagree. I just want to temper my expectations a little bit because I I feel like you guys were talking about a ceiling, really, rather than what I think is most likely to happen. But, um, Josh, do do you think Aiden Hurst will still be involved as much? Or not as much, but at least a decent amount? Uh, not really, actually. I I think this this is a new regime, entirely new staff. Terry Fontenot, Arthur Smith. I just I feel like he, like Jonas said, is probably at best probably going to be the fourth option, and probably more likely just be used as a blocking tight end. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like this offense is going to be much different. Uh, most recently, we saw Dirk Cutter, and what he likes to do is just pass, 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 and then there's a halfback slam, and then pass, 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 pass. pass. So <laughs> yeah, I I feel like Hayden Hurst. Uh, he had a okay season i guess fantasy wise as a tight end last season i believe he finished the top 10 tight end which is not a, a high bar to me yeah he just but, stayed healthy pretty much you know yeah exactly yeah, you're kind compiled. of just hoping yeah you're, you're just kind of just hoping hey get in the red zone please get please get at least like three or four catches please and i, I feel like with kyle pitts there and Calvin really I, I i feel like the offense is gonna be much different i feel like arthur smith is gonna run uh, not exactly a Derrick Henry style offense, you know. Obviously, Mike Davis is not that, but I, I feel like he's going to be a little more uh, 
well-rounded, probably not pass as much, control the ball more. Uh, time of possession is going to be more of more of a, a factor. So I, I just I don't really see a window for Hayden Hurst really having any kind of like a opportunities really. And I hate it so much. Like Jonah <laughs> said, that stupid second-round pick. Yep. What a tale of like two turns right there it was. You got Muhammad Sanu for a second rounder. He's not even playing for a team right now. And then you go and spend it on Hayden Hurst. So fucking stupid. I gotta hate that pick. I hate it for Hayden Hurst too. He's never been in a tight end room where he's the number one, except for last year. He was he was pretty okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I feel bad for Hurst. He's a little bit older too. I think he came out when he was like twenty four or something like that. But um still, I do feel bad for him. But anyway, let's let's move on to um I think one of the burning questions for, for the Falcons going into camp, especially too, is who's going to take over be the wide receiver too, uh, for the Falcons. You know, we're not really talking about Kyle Pitts or Mike Davis at this, but I'm curious about wide receiver. I want to know who is going to be the guy to take over. I think Jonah, you kind of alluded to gauge. Is that, is that who you're looking at? I think it has to be just because Russell gauge, I think had a very solid season last year. The, the only issue that I have is, I mean, for one, no one's going to replace Julio Jones. It's just that's it's not going to happen. Like we someone can take his spot, quote unquote, but no one's going to be able to replace the type of guy he was with his his ability to run via defense and his route running was great. and His physicality was great. He was a big guy. The Falcons right now don't have anyone that really replicates what Julio Jones was as a receiver. Russell Gage is like a six foot slot guy, and that's not what. Julio was so in terms of a person that's actually going to replace Julio in his role I honestly don't think they have one on the roster now in terms of someone that's going to take some of his targets and some of his yardage I think it has to be Russell Gage because after that the receiving group really just drops off if we're talking after Russell Gage probably Alameda Zacchaeus and while he has had his moments Obviously, he hasn't really done anything for a full season. And even their pick from this past draft, Frank Darby, who they took in the sixth round, I think we could see him in the later stages of the year actually be able to make some plays. And while I'm not saying he's the like this uber-talented receiver that has fell in the draft, just because of the barren wasteland that the back end of the receiver group is for the Falcons, I think they're going to at least give him a shot. And training camp and mini camp are obviously kind of just you know, you can see these highlights and it doesn't mean much, but Frank Darby was getting thrown the ball quite a lot and making a lot of catches. So I would be very interested to see how he does, but in terms of immediate replacement, I don't think anyone's going to really be able to replace him, but in terms of target share, it's probably going to just have to go to Russell Gage. He's the guy with the most experience and ability compared to the rest of receivers outside of Calvin Ridley. Gotcha. Um, Josh in the same boat. In a way, but not really, because I'm just gonna be boring. I'm just gonna say no. I don't. I don't really think there's really a receiver to step up, and I, I feel like you just have to buy proxy. Just be like, yeah, Russell Gage. And I feel like way too many people are going in on Russell Gage. Y'all were already late. He was a product of having Julio and Calvin on the field. He was a product of having Dirk Cutter being the play caller and throwing 50 plus passes a game and having a bad defense. You've done missed out on the peak of Russell Gage. Now we have a a, a new staff. And I just I don't feel like they're going to pass as much. And I mean, yeah, Kyle Pitts is probably more likely to give him the number two. I just I I don't know if there's really going to be a number two receiver, really. Okay, yeah. Um, I I do actually feel uh similarly. I feel like Gage was just so much better when he had 
Ridley and and Julio on the field at the same time. I feel I, I don't know if that's exactly true. Um, but that's what I remember from the film that I watched. So I'm not super excited about him. I think you're kind of right that there just won't be anyone. You you both are right about that. No one can replace Julio, obviously. But I just don't. I don't think. I don't think he's really worth m- much in terms of fantasy special. I think he's going around what like 117 ADP, which is or 177, which is you know like mm, it's, it's I just okay. Like it's you can take a shot to there. Floor then I feel like you're kind of you're close to the floor. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people are trying to get and be like. Oh yeah, I'm taking this late round flyer, this late round sleeper and stuff, and I feel like you're just realistically just probably drafted him, like draft him at his floor, and you're not really getting someone that can have like a league winning upside. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, like in, yeah, he'll probably end up he'll probably end up with like a sixty yard game in the first like four weeks, and like that'll be his best thing, and then it's kind of just yeah, going from that, especially as it goes on later in the season. I assume Pitts have like a little bit bigger role and stuff like that. I think just how that you know, worse than rookies generally. So, yeah, I don't know if there's too much upside there for sure. I can agree with that. In um, one of my in one of yeah. my dynasty leagues, I was able to trade him away for Brandon Cooks. And while I know... Fantastic. <laughs> I, I know a lot of people probably That's aren't super high robbery. on Brandon Cooks, but Brandon Cooks is, I think, very easily probably going to be the top option with whoever is going to be the starting quarterback in Houston. So I was able to take that, you know, I was like, you know what? I don't expect much from Russell Gage this season. And someone offered Brandon Cooks and I was like, sure, I'll take that. That's insane. Yeah, I would do that in a heartbeat. It's not even close. I might even trade Russell Gates for like Randall Cobb. So, um, <laughs> yeah, talking about Houston <laughs> Wait, receivers. He's, so. he's a Packer that? now. Yeah. Wait, did he get traded? He did. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's with Green Bay again. Today? today, yeah. Okay, I must yeah, have missed that. Yeah, part of part of Rogers coming back was him saying something like, "I if did you hear really want me that. back. Go get Randall Cobb." I thought that was a meme. Oh my god. Oh no, yeah, they they sent a fifth round pick. I believe was <laughs> oh. a fifth rounder. Oh man, I mean, I get it, Houston. I would do that in a heartbeat too. You don't need like thirty whatever year old Russell, uh, uh, whatever Randall Cobb in your team. I get that. Okay, well, that's yeah. that's good to know. Um, all right, well, let's call it season. <laughs> let's move on to the next <laughs> thing. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about this defense, boys. How God. good or bad or uh, I don't know. What, uh, this defense seems young to me. I mentioned the Richie Grant. I like Terrell. I kind of like Isaiah Oliver, but. Is it going to be as bad as it was last year? Because it always get worse. Jonah, what do you think? Uh, okay. Um, I'll give I'll give the highlights, but I'm going to make this quick. Grady Jarrett to me is one of the most underrated defensive linemen in the entire NFL. They posted their Madden 22 ratings, and he wasn't top 10 on defensive tackles, which I think is absolutely barbaric. He is a, such an underrated defensive tackle when there's no talent around him. He's probably the bright spot there. I mentioned the linebacking court earlier. Aiden Terrell, I think, is a very solid CB1. I think he was, I think he performed as the best corner in the first round, just in my opinion, from last year. And I was very, very pleased with how he ended up doing. Isaiah Oliver, he needs to be in the slot, and that's it. I don't want him going outside anymore. I like the pick when it happened, but ever since he tried out playing outside, it hasn't worked. He's been better in the slot. Um, and then the, the the safety group is just yikes. So I guess in a general sense, can, can they be any worse than last year? Probably not. They were like god awful last year. So this year maybe a tiny bit better because I do think I I really like the fact that they hired Dean Pease. I think he's a really good defensive coordinator. Now granted, he might retire for the third time after the season, but despite that. I really like the hire. He's a really good defensive coordinator. So I think he can get a decent amount out of this group. But honestly, anything above top 20 would shock me. Like, I'm probably thinking they're probably going to be 
like around 24, 25 in terms of the defense. And if they could get anything above 20, I would be very, very genuinely surprised. So I don't think they're going to be a good defense at all. Got it, Josh. You in agreement? Uh, yeah, yeah, this is bad defense. I, I feel like on paper at the end of the season, they'll show up and technically be better than they were from the previous season. But I think a lot of that is going to have to deal with um, I mean, Jonah already mentioned Dean Pease, but like I said earlier with Arthur Smith, I, I feel like they're going to have a more balanced office and uh, hopefully take time of possession like a little more seriously. Because often with the dirt cutter offense, you were having a lot of like, uh, you know, three and outs with like two and three passing plays and a halfback slam and you've taken off like not even a minute off the clock. I feel like with Arthur Smith, they're going to take advantage and be like, OK, let's take our time, you know, see what we got. And hopefully that will help out and keep the defense off the field as long as possible. And that's really about as best as I could could hope for this defense. Are are there any young guys that you guys are interested in or that you're excited about next year or this year coming up? Like, I mean, like I said, I Richie Grant because I I don't think we have like too much of hope from, from the safety position really. And I like, like Jonah said earlier, Richie Grant was a, a great pick for our second round pick. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I love him, too. I, I think it's such a deep class. I think he's a really good pick. I mean, I like him. But they drafted a guy like Avery Williams, Darren Hall, cornerback, so I'm not really too sure about. But I don't know if there, you know, is anyone else. Because I like Terrell. I don't know if he was – he's definitely not my favorite cornerback to in the first round, but he probably played one of the better ones in the first round besides – I don't know, he was a third-round pick. Never mind. I'm thinking of the Minnesota guy who was the third-round pick, not the first-round pick. Not Gladney. Or maybe it was Gladney. Whatever. Um, I don't think Gladney's yeah. on the team anymore. Yeah, I like Gladney. guy that got in trouble. Then yeah, he was the first yeah. round pick that got in trouble. I'm pretty sure the third round pick didn't get in trouble, and he was pretty good last year. But I could be yeah. wrong. Um, but yeah, I think we can move on to the Bucks now. Um, so I think we're going to start with Josh. And uh, what do you have for their record, dude? Uh, I mean, there's not really much else you can say about the Bucks. Um, they're the best team in the NFL currently. They have the best roster. Uh, they have Tom Brady as the GOAT. They have a great O-line, uh, receiving options. They just have everything. Um, realistically, probably their biggest – uh, question would probably be secondary, maybe, but you saw last season it was got inc- uh, impressively more better, and Antoine Winfield was fantastic, and I just there's not a lot of holes here. They're returning to the same team that they have from the Super Bowl, and on top of that, they have a much much easier schedule. So I have them going 15 and two, and I, I think I think a lot of people go in 17 and 0. I, I feel that it's just not going to happen. Like. Not many teams are going to pull that off. And while I do like this Bucks team, I do feel like that the Rams could beat them. I do feel like a Washington football team could surprise them. You know, a team with a good defense and, and catch Tom Brady and Bruce Aarons, like, a little off guard, really. But the, the schedule is just so easy. They're so much better than everyone else. And we saw from the end of last season when Tom Brady was like, okay, yeah, I get this Bruce Aarons offense now. Usually it takes quarterbacks a year or more to really – uh, learn that offense through and through. But Tom Brady got it. They won the Super Bowl, and there's, just, there's not a lot of stop in this team. And I, I can't see them not making the NFC Championship game. So I've been going 15-2 and and losing the NFC Championship game. All right, Jonah, win agreement? I've been going 14-3, and so pretty close. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I don't have much more to add. They're a really, really good team. It's sickening, but... They they are. They brought back all twenty two of their freaking starters, which is just ridiculous. So yeah, f- fourteen and three. They're one of the best teams in the NFL. Easy. Yeah, I I have twelve and five. I think there's a little bit of Super Bowl regression coming, but they what were eleven and five last year, so maybe not too much. Um, I love this secondary. Um, Jamal Dean, Carlton Davis, Sean Murphy, Burton, 
Murphy. Sean Murphy Bunting. I <laughs> Holy shit. Um, he, uh, I think this is a really, really good core, very young group. And Antoine Winfield Jr. is going to be an all-pro next year. So uh, there isn't a lot for me to say. Also, they, they're so deep, too, man. Like like I said, returning all the starters. Hopefully, Vita Vey will be ready for the full season. They got William Golston still there. They drafted uh, Joe Tryon, who I thought went a little bit early, but he's still going to be a fine rotational guy in there. Like, I, I mean, they're... Their tight end group is three three tight ends deep. Their running back group is two good starters or two good enough starters, maybe even three. I mean, they added Giovanni Bernard, too. They still have Keyshawn Vaughn. She's a process is there. Like, this is deep. Like I said, the tight end's deep. Wide receiver's deep. I even think the quarterback's kind of deep. Uh, I love Kyle Trask. If Tom Brady isn't able to play for some reason, he gets injured and can't play through it like he did last year. Um, like I, I worry about Super teams coming off the Super Bowl and then, you know, running into injury troubles and then getting it. But they are so deep everywhere. I just, I don't even know if that matters, you know? Um, I wanted to make them lower, but I just couldn't. Yeah, that's pretty much what I'm trying to say. <laughs> but I, I think we talked a little bit about this already, but you think this team can can repeat um, what has to go right again? I think we talked a little bit about it, but um, Josh, if you have anything else to say, I know you had them losing in the championship game, but I mean, they're a Super Bowl contender, right? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, any team that wins like the Super Bowl and returns like probably 85 or 90% of the team should immediately be the favorites and um, it's, it's kind of hard to bet against that, really. And just knowing that they have Tom Brady there, the, the things that I would look out for and would, uh, I, I would hope that, I mean, not personally as a Falcons fan, I don't hope for it, but as a Bucks fan, um, you got to hope that, that that surgery and that injury wasn't as severe as it really sounded. I, I guess you, you kind of got to hope that maybe uh, the healing process for a 40 plus year old quarterback, you know, doesn't really hurt him. Um, kind of got to hope for the also the injuries on the wide receivers themselves. Um, and mm-hmm. it wasn't so much for Antonio Brown because he came in the second half of the season. But Mike Evans, Mike, Mike Evans is starting to show some uh, deterioration. Chris Godwin, I don't think, has played a full uh, then 16-game season yet, if not for his uh, 2018 year, I think. Maybe he didn't play a full one in 2019, didn't play a full one last year. And that's I, – I guess that's it, really. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I mean, that's fair. Um, Jody, do you want to add anything? Uh, yeah, I mean, similar. Can this team repeat? Absolutely. The only thing keeping them is from injuries. And, like, the one spot that I feel like, looking at it, where they may have issue with depth is along the offensive line. The mm-hmm. The depth they have outside of their starters is not great. So I feel like just one injury to any of the spots could cause an issue. But if they can keep their offensive line healthy and just keep every general healthy, they, they'll have as good a shot as anybody. Yeah, I, I, I get that. Um, I, I think you both are right. I think they definitely have a shot. It's tough to repeat. It's really tough to repeat. But I think it seemed like you're right. You know, returning all the starters is definitely something that was, you know, hit on the offseason. It made sense. I mean, why, why change up? Why make anything uh, different if you, already, if you already won a Super Bowl? I get that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's definitely possible. I don't think I'm going to have them in the Super Bowl this year either. Um, but... Yeah, maybe for sure. But um, let's move on to the next question. I'm so I might switch this one up a little bit. I'm I'm curious what your top three looks like for this team, like the top three wide receivers for like fantasy and for real life too. Because I I I want to put Antonio Brown in the top two even, but I I, I don't know if I will. Um, he's Josh, not, you want he's my number one? Yeah, he's not number one. But jo- Josh, what do you think? Uh, I was saying he's my number one actually. Oh, he is the number one. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, look, Mike Evans and Chris Goblin is great and all, but Tom Brady like solely went after Antonio Brown for what seems like three or four seasons now. He's been wanting him. 
every year since he was a Patriot. And even with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin on this team, you know, a big factor of probably why he came down to Tampa, he was still like, get me Antonio Brown. And he was an immediate impact as soon as he came in. And I just, it's kind of hard to bet, but I feel like out of all these group right here, I feel like Antonio Brown is probably the most talented receiver. And Tom Brady is going to recognize that and be like, I want that guy to touch the ball. And we saw Mike Evans took a hit. I mean, yeah, they did like purposely go out and get him to that thousand yard mark in the final week. But I just, I kind of feel like he's relegated to the Adam Thielen role now where he's kind of just like uh, a possession guy now and probably a red zone target. Uh, And between Antonio Brown and Chris Chris Gowan probably being uh, the top two on the perimeter, I kind of feel like Tom Brady's going to go for his guy that he wanted, Antonio Brown. Okay. That's that. So, so Godwin's number two then. Mike, uh, Mike Evans number three. Is that is that right? Uh, yeah, I would go Brown, Godwin, Evans. Wow, Josh. Uh, I'm sorry, Jonah. Do you do you agree with that? No. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I feel. On this one, yeah. <laughs> I feel like Mike Evans has become the most underrated receiver, like in the NFL. Oh, oh, yeah. Like, I, I think people forget he's the only receiver in history to have seven consecutive 1,000 yard seasons. And I still, it's still crazy to me that he's like, I don't know, like just people just don't think he's as good as he is. And look, he's had some injuries and he's had obviously those games where he like, he has one catch for one yard and it's a touchdown and that's it for the entire game. But to me, he, I think we saw a rapport eventually develop between him and Tom Brady. I think it took a bit of time. And I think he's the top red zone target for the team. So, I mean, to me, mine's kind of basic. If I had to put a ranking, I'd probably still go. I'd probably go Evans, Brown, Godwin as probably my one, two, three. But with that being said, any of these guys can be. It's almost like there's one A, one B, and one C. Like any of those guys can be the number one guy at any given time. And given how many mouths there are to feed in this offense. When you talk about those three guys, then you've got the tight end, which I mean, you know, you still got Rob Gronkowski, obviously Tom Brady and him have a gigantic report. Yes. I I was going to say OJ Howard's coming back. He's going to be healthy. I love him. Yes, sir. And and they have Cameron Braid. Who's not even a bad tight end. Like he's a good three. And then of course you still got, and then you got Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones in the running back court. So, like, there's so many mouths to feed on this offense. Occasionally, one of these guys is going to have a three-catch game. Like, that's just going to happen. So, I, if I had to put a ranking out, I'd probably say Evans as the number one, and then Brown, and then Godwin. But really, I think any order, it could be that any given day. Yeah, I I, I, I think that's fair. I think my, my ranking is Godwin, Evans, and then um, Antonio Brown. But in terms of, like, fantasy and stuff like that, like, I'll draft the guy who's going latest, Antonio Brown, with, like, the, the most upside by far. Like, I'll, I'll just do that. Um, yeah, yeah. But, right, like, it, it just kind of makes sense. And you're right, there, there will be guys who will have bad games for sure. Evans probably has the most of them because he seems, like, I, I, I don't completely – um, agree with Josh on that he's that he's in like a, a little bit of a, a lesser role, but he he might be he might be more of a red zone threat than anything, and that might be fine. I mean, he caught 13 touchdowns. We can't really you know expect to see that stuff again. But and he went those a lot of games like you said with one touchdown or like I think it was a game where he was like had two touchdowns on like three catches. It was insane. Um, I, I think that's kind of hard to repeat. But I mean, I I love Godwin in a in a Tom Brady offense. He can stay healthy, play all those games. I mean, the year before he was. 
going like in the top 20 for fantasy drafts and stuff like that. Like people are really high on him. I didn't get back to that. He's only going to be 25 this season. And I'm very, very excited about him. But like I said, Antonio Brown, you know, 33, whatever. He hasn't been bad his entire history of playing football pretty much. So I'm not banking on him being bad, you know? Yeah. And I think another factor that needs to be in play here is that more likely than not, Mike Evans is going to be taking on the best corner on the other team. Like, the best corner is probably going to be on Evans. He's the probably, big guy on the outside. Yeah, I think the most physical outside corner will take yeah. him for sure, which is usually the best cornerback. So, I, yeah, for sure. Right. So, given that, I mean, no matter who the best receiver is, Tom Brady's Tom Brady. He's going to throw it to whoever's open. So, I mean, there's a good chance if Antonio Brown is on your worst corner, Antonio Brown's probably going to win <laughs> because it's Antonio Brown. So... <laughs> You know, it, just the placement of who the top corner decides. And, you know, you, you've got guys like Marshawn Lattimore. He specifically is like, I'm going on Mike Evans no matter what. He calls him out. <laughs> so, you know, in the, whenever the Saints are playing the Bucks, Marshawn Lattimore is going to be on Mike Evans. So Godwin and Antonio Brown are probably going to have a field day. So it just really depends on what the matchups are that given week two. Yeah, that's, to- that's so, totally fair. Go ahead. So do we all three have different uh, rankings of, uh, of these receivers? We do. I believe so. Oh, I got, we all have a different number one. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Big fan of that. I mean, to be honest, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if any of those guys finished like the number one guy in this team. I, th- I think we kind of talked about that. All right. I think, Jonah, you mentioned that, right? You, you could see that mm-hmm. similarly. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I totally agree. There'll be a lot of feast or famine weeks with these guys, but uh, I, I they were big scorers last year. I mean, I, I remember when they put up like 31 points on the Washington defense in the first round of playoffs. I was like, wow, this team can do that. They can do... They could score on anyone. I think that's going to continue. That's um, why I have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin in one of my leagues. I have both of them. <laughs> love to see it. Give me that best ball for, for Mike Evans. I'm all about that. Um, I'm going to skip the last question because I think we talked enough about the Bucks. We think they're all really good. They have no holes except maybe the offensive line if someone gets hurt. I can agree with that, but they have depth everywhere else. Am I right? Like, Does anyone disagree with that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, okay. All right, so let's move on to the final one. We got the Panthers. Um, what do we think? Uh, I think, Jonah, yeah, you're going to start first, Jonah. Um, what do you think the Panthers' win-loss record is going to be? All right, so the Panthers are that team that I I have them going 7-10. and 10, But the Panthers, to me, are that one team that I, I look at, and I'm like, man, they, are, they could boom this season. Like, with all their young talent that they've accumulated, and with a quarterback in Sam Darnold, who I have been kind of beaten on the horse that like, man, I feel like Sam Darnold is still a good quarterback. If he could just get in a better system, getting a better organization. And I definitely think Carolina is a better organization than the jets, at least given, I mean, he had Adam Gase as a head coach for crying out loud. I, I really think that he has a chance to thrive here. I think they've done better on against the offensive line. I think they've done better and be able to accumulate talent on the defensive side of the ball. So I, I feel like, the reason that they have they go seven to ten, at least in my eyes, is they're still super, super young, and you're gonna see some still some growing pains from this team. And I think there's a chance that Sam Darnold, I don't think he's gonna light the world on fire. I think he's still gonna struggle at least a little bit because he, he's still a young guy and he's just not had much success to this point. So I think they go seven and ten, but I think that's more so because of the inexperience and the just the young youth that this team has. But man, I feel like the Panthers in terms of the long haul, like the next three, four years, are probably the best setup out of any of the teams in this division. Yeah, Josh, what do you think? Um, like word for word and perfect agreeance. Um, I initially, whenever we did our NFC South episode last week, I initially had them going seven and ten. 
but with uh, the recent news of the Saints, I, I gave them another win. So I have them going eight and nine currently, but I, I still might even change that. I, I, just, I secretly really like the Panthers, and I hate to admit it, but they have a great first-half schedule. I have them going five and two over the first seven weeks of the season, and it's after that where I take a, where it takes a real big downfall, where it gets like much tougher. But if the ball bounces, you know, one way or another in their favor, then I, I feel like out of all the teams that are not the Bucks in this division, if there was a one that could come out and be a wildcard spot team, I, I think the Panthers could really be that. Just because I, I, like Jonah said, I do believe Sam Darnold has something to prove, and he's probably got the worst shake out of all these young quarterbacks over the past five years, going with the Jets. Adam Gase, and his best receiving option is Jameson Crowder. I mean, what more are you really going to do with that? I mean, I, I don't know what you expect from that. So, yeah, I, I feel like this team is poised to surprise a lot of people. I feel like on any given week, they have the offense to prove anyone wrong and beat anyone just because, like I said, Sam Darnold, I think he's going to be fine. CMC's coming back. They're the, one of the best wide receiver groups in the NFL currently. And the defense, well – you know, it was kind of iffy, you know, last season. It's still relatively young, really young. They went defensive heavy in the past two drafts. I, I think they've got a, a lot to prove, and they're going to surprise a lot of people. And I'm not completely sold on my record just yet. I feel like it's, it might change, you know, going back and forth. But uh, at this moment, I have an 8 and 9, but I'm I'm almost positive it's going to switch up to 9 and 8 or even possibly 10 and 7. I, just, I really think the Panthers could – take another leap yeah i'm gonna agree with a lot of what you guys are saying young defense i love it um this is the matt rule um turnaround he goes pretty okay or not not that great in the first season then he goes to the middle of the pack i have him seven and ten the next year and then after that he starts winning and then it's gonna keep winning this team is so set up for the rest of the time i'm so excited for them and like i said i got seven and ten uh for them i i think like you guys mentioned they're really really set up really great i think rule's done a great job he's a great coach and he's gonna turn around this program just like he did the two colleges baylor and Temple? Yeah, Temple. Um, but so we mentioned Sam Darnold a little bit, but I'm curious how you guys feel about, you know, him in a new system. Just just more, you know, if we could talk a little bit more about that. He's got huh, DJ Moore, um, LOL. Um, and he's also reunited with Robbie Anderson. So I'm curious how you feel about that. I'm going to use the restroom too real quick. So talk amongst yourselves. I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I guess we're going to wait until for him to finish. Or- no, except for us to talk through. Okay. Yeah, talk through, guys. You got it. You got it. I'll be right back. All right. Good. Yeah, I mean, look, Josh and I have been for countless times talking about how we wish Sam Darnold would just end up in a better spot. And I think this is finally it for him. I think he's finally in that spot to where he has a chance to succeed. I think for the first time since he's basically gotten to the NFL, he's probably got the best coaching staff that he's had since he's been in the NFL. I think he's got the best receiving core. I think he's got the best running back. I think he's got the best offensive line. And I think potentially, maybe not this year, but at least maybe next year, because I believe they accepted his fifth-year option, which is fully guaranteed. So he will be there for at least one more season. He's probably going to end up with one of the best defenses. So he's just overall, I think, in a much, much better spot than he was in New York. And so I like what he's going to be able to do. Like mentioned, He's reunited with Robbie Anderson. He's got DJ Moore, who's going to be, I think, the best number one option that he has had since he's gotten in the in the league. And also, with all that being said, I think this is going to be it for Sam Darnold in the sense of these next two years, this is his chance to prove why he was the first-round option, why he has kind of gotten too much hate and should be respected a little bit more. 
he he's got a great situation. He's just got to take advantage of it. I think he will. I think we're going to see him succeed. But yeah, these next two years, he's really going to have to prove himself in this better situation and prove that it wasn't him necessarily that was just so bad. It was a situation that he was put into. Okay. What I will say though is that he's he he does have a bit of a uh, ever since he's been at college, he does seem to have a bit of a turnover problem in the interception department, and obviously that didn't help being on the Jets and Adam Gase, and maybe it probably doesn't even help being in that rule offense and probably being more pass happy. But when you have the options that he has in CMC and the wide receiver group, I mean, why would you not pass the ball? I mean, uh, DJ Moore, I feel like is going to be a, a, a still a great young talent. I think a lot of people are writing him off too way too soon. Robbie Anderson, obviously you have that reconnection too. And then, I mean, I was about to say Curtis Samuel again, but he's not there anymore. But uh, I believe that Terrence they got Marshall, Marshall. Would be a great fit too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Terrence Marshall. I love taking Terrence Marshall in my rookie drafts. Um, he gets that he has that connection with Joe Brady. And look, I, I'm really high on the Panthers, and I'm just talking myself about talking them up. Damn it! Uh, I hate it. I hate it. I, I hate it so much. Panthers are gonna be great, man. And for Sam Darnold's sake, I mean, yeah, he does have that Week One against the Jets. They they'll for sure get that win. Then you have the Saints, the Texans, Cowboys, Eagles, Vikings, Giants. Like, there's probably legitimately two good to above average defenses there. Even if the Panthers do lose, Sam Darnold should still look great in most of those games. So I feel like he's going to have a great rebound. Yeah, I mean, he'll definitely be better than he was in the Jets. I think we can we can all agree with that. Um, I'm curious. Um, like for, for, fa- I know we were talking about like real life stuff and I think this is a better situation. Sam John will be like 24 this year. He's so young. I, exactly. I, I, I think there's a lot, you know, to like, and like you said, they did pick up that fifth year option. I'm pretty sure already. Um, I think they did that like the second day of the draft when they didn't draft a quarterback in the first round. Um, I, I feel like I distinctly remember that. So yeah, I mean, it seems like he'll be with them for a while. I, I trust rule that more than I trust Gase. I trust Joe Brady more than I trust whoever the offensive coordinator was for the Jets. I don't remember. So I, I think this isn't, this isn't make or break this year, but I, I, I think he'll definitely have a better year. I'm curious if we know that like Jameis or if we know that like Taysom is, or one of these guys is the quarterback, do you like Darnold or one of those guys better? Darnold. That's easy, yeah. Darnold. Easy, easy for both of you guys. Yeah. Okay. Uh, sorry, yeah. what was the question again? Uh, do we do we like Darnold more than either Taysom or, um, or Jameis if if one of them wins a starting job, like outright? Without a doubt, yeah, Sam Darnold. Okay. Okay. I'm. I. I want to say there's a lot of unknown there, so I'm not sure if I could be as confident as you guys are, but may, maybe that's true for me too. Mm. I just don't like mm. like even if you like look at what like even Taysom Hill, let's say he was a starting job and he's got the rushing ability. Just the lack of receiving options now, especially with Michael Thomas, compared to Sam Darnold with DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, and Terrace Marshall, I just feel like that's a clear cut advantage for Sam. So and Sam Darnold's mobile too. Like he can run around a little bit. So it's not like mm-hmm. he's a stone wall. So yeah, I, I really would prefer Sam Darnold over them too. And I've consistently in my drafts been able to get like in super flex league. Sam Darnold's like my third quarterback, which I'm very like happy with. Yeah. I think I'd be happy with him too. Um, around there who he's going off. I want to say like 28th quarterback, like being drafted. So yeah, I, I can see that there's a lot of upside there. I mean, you know, when you're drafting that late, you want to go for the high upside guys right there. Um, is there, I, I mean, in super flex, obviously I don't think it'll be drafted Darnold in like a regular Unless it's like 32 teams, but that's right, a conversation yeah. for another time. Um, yeah, these last, I mean, do you have anything else you want to add about Darnold? You're definitely ready for the situation. I mean, I love Terrace Marshall too. I hope Robbie Anderson 
he's being used correctly now. So I hope hope that you know continues on to next year um, or, or to this year. The one thing I think that Darnold did have though too is that he, I think it's a downgrade the offensive line. Everything else seems like an upgrade, but the offensive line I think is a downgrade from last year specifically. Maybe not the year before because you know he was seeing ghosts and was you know had that mono issue, um, kissing too many titties. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, um, it's New York, man. Yeah. It's, it, it, you, you're telling me, um, but, uh, yeah. Okay. I think that's enough Sam Darnold talk. Definitely, you know, new situation. I think the options are, what, what do you think like the high end upside is for Darnold in like fantasy? Do you think it's like quarterback 16 or do you think it could be even higher than that? Uh, I, I think about, I think that's about the, the ceiling just Look, there's so many like quarterbacks in the league right now. All those top end guys are going to be guys who have rushing numbers, you know, yards, the rushing touchdowns, you know, the guys that snipe their running backs. And then even then, I just, uh, I, I feel like this is as close to the ceiling, I think. Okay, that's fair. Um, I, I think that's probably I think that's probably sixteen or whatever is, is the thing. Now I just want this. These next two questions kind of feel like we're just naming guys. I'm curious how you feel. But uh, my next question is: Are Brian Burns and DJ Moore still underrated? I think the answer is yes. But give me give me what y'all think. I'm so deeply upset that Brian Burns is not an Atlanta Falcon, and I was that way ever since he was drafted. I loved Brian Burns coming out of Florida State. Man, I wanted him so bad on the Falcons. But yes, I think he is deeply deeply underrated. I think he has been and become a true building block for that defense. And I think he is going to continue to grow as a pass rusher. And DJ Moore, I, yes, I completely agree. I think he's still underrated. I mean, this is a guy that last year had 66 catches, 1,193 yards. And I think the only thing that people have been able to knock on him that mm. I think is at least a decent knock to this point is he doesn't catch many touchdowns. True. He had two his rookie season. His sophomore campaign, he had four. Last year, he had four. So... You can knock him for that a little bit, but for three seasons, he's had over 200 catches and over 3,000 yards. Like, that's really good production coming from a guy that was picked in the later stages of the first round. So, yeah, I think he's still vastly, vastly underrated, and I truly believe he's going to be the best receiver that Sam Darnold has had yet to his career. And that's not to say... I mean, yes, the receivers before have not been the greatest in the world, but I just think DJ Moore is a really, really good receiver, and I think he's been constantly disrespected basically ever since he got drafted. Very true. Uh, I think that's kind of fair. But the tough part about me, at least with these guys, and I think they're both underrated too. It's kind of a leading question. But, um, yeah, I mean, the problem with me ranking DJ Moore is that there are just so many other guys that I like too. There's so many young guys who are so good. Like, that's the one tough part, you know, because I I, I was on another podcast before – and it was, it was, I think, I think I ranked DJ Moore 23rd as my wide receiver, my wide receiver 23. And I think that was very much what, I think that's what it was on fantasy pros. It's just, it's just too tough to rank these guys. There's so many good young receivers, um, but he's definitely up there. And I think he gets lost in the shovel because of Carolina and the bad quarterback play and all that stuff. And I don't think Teddy Bridgewater, Ted, Teddy Bridgewater really unlocked what he could do. I don't know if Darnold will be able to, but yeah, I think that's fair. Um, Speaking of, I actually, yeah. now that you're mentioning about ranking, uh, on our NFC, uh, I think it was the NFC South preview, I believe, or maybe it was uh, AFC West. I can't remember which one it was. But Josh and I actually had a conversation. I'm curious to what you would say. If oh, you yeah. had to pick Jerry Judy or DJ Moore, who would you pick? Jerry Judy. Okay. I, I, he, he's, uh, my he's my number one guy <laughs> in that draft class, and I 
I still love the route running. He had like a one bad game with a lot of drops and he had a few drops, but he's still with a really, really one of the worst quarterback, probably the worst starting quarterback in the NFL. Um, I love Jerry Judy. He's he's I still think he's going to be the best receiver in that class. I think you said the exact same thing I said. <laughs> there we go. No, yeah, but this I, isn't, again, to shit on DJ Moore. I think he's very good as well. It's just tough to pick, you know? Yeah, I mean, I the way I saw it was if I'm going long term, I'm taking Judy. If I'm going right now, I'm probably taking DJ Moore just because of the complete package that I've seen to this point. But, I mean, you can't go wrong with either. And, like, look, I mm-hmm. I, I love the Alabama Crimson Tide. I love Jerry Judy. Like, adored <laughs> him. So this is not me hating John Judy at all. I, I mean, I, I was very on on record of saying when Judy was coming out that Jerry Judy is easily, I think, to me, before he even steps on the field, top 25 route runner in the NFL without stepping on the field. I just his route running was just crisp, mm-hmm. fantastic. I compared him to Calvin Ridley a lot, just and they, you know, they both came from Bama and everything. So obviously, very, very good. I, I, I still like DJ Moore just because I feel like he's just been underrated and he still has been able to produce to a high volume outside of the receiving touchdown. But again, the receiver group in the NFL is just so talented right now. You can't go wrong either way. Yeah, you're not wrong, um, Josh. You agreeing with all that stuff? Oh yeah, without a doubt. I mean, wide receivers are just saturated. Just, uh, I think a lot of people are trying to say that quarterbacks are like sort of saturated right now, but there's just so much wide receiver talent, and it's just you, you can't really go wrong anywhere. I mean, if you, the whole conversation that we had was, would we rather have the Broncos receivers or the Panthers receivers, and we split. And either way, it's like you can't go wrong. Yeah, I agree. Do, do you like Brian Burns too? Do you think he's underrated? I I love that defensive line with Gross Matos and Derek Brown and. And Brian Burns, it feels like it's no. You wait one more year, man. That's gonna be real scary for your quarterback, whoever it is. Uh, I assume Ryan. Yeah, but I, think, still. I think he's underrated. And just like Jonah said, I mean, look, Atlanta would take any kind of defensive help anywhere. With this, <laughs> just point blank. Yeah, true. Very true. All right, the last question I had on that, and this is again kind of a leading question too. But do you think J.C. Horn and Dante Jackson can be the best co- cornerback duo in the division? Maybe this is again me being a little bit higher on J.C. Horn than the rest of the guys. He was my number one cornerback in the draft. Um, shut down Kyle Pitts, who we'll be seeing again um, when they played in Florida. He, he was one of the better cornerbacks against him. Um, but I'm curious how y'all feel about that the duo again. Not like I like Lattimore, I think the most. I think I like Jamal Dean better than um, J.C. Horn, but uh, I feel like this combination is real good. What do you think? So, do they have the potential to be? Yes. Are they right now? No. Um, I say no right now because, one, I'm never going to put a rookie and be like, oh, yeah, automatically is the best duo without seeing them on the field first. So, are they the best duo right now? No. I think Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean get that title at the moment, Uh, despite the fact that they're real young. I just think the growth that they've shown the past two seasons and be able to lead that secondary, especially last year near the tail end shows to me, I think they're the best in the NFC South right now. Now, potentially, absolutely. I think that they could, although I'll be honest, I'm not the highest on Dante Jackson. I just wasn't even when he was coming out of LSU, he was kind of one of those guys that was a speedy corner that I didn't think was greatest in coverage. And he's shown improvements, but I'm also very confident every single time Calvin Ridley lines up against him because he gets shredded. So I'm not that big on Dante Jackson. JC Horn was my number two corner, but he was also like, it was like Sertan, Horn, and then I had a bit of a gap. And that wasn't to say that the other corners were bad. I still think they were very good corners. But to me, it was like 
Sertan and Horn were in a realm of their own. Like, they were in their own tier. So I think J.C. Horn is going to be a very, very good receiver. Health, all that was standing. He showed a lot of, lot of good play while he was with South Carolina. So I think them two in the next couple of years could absolutely be the top duo. But as of right now, I'm not going to give it to him just yet. Josh, do you think it's the Tampa Bay guys or we lean in the uh, other way? Yeah, it's, I think it's the Tampa Bay guys, but I don't think it's I don't think it's too far off. But I, I think just the fact that J.C. Horn, well, I would expect him to be the best corner for Carolina. He is still a rookie. We haven't seen him play on the NFL field yet, so I can't quite like be like, you know, yeah, they're going to be the best in the division itself when you have uh, the corners that the Bucks have. But I don't think it's too far off. Yeah, fair. Um, I, I think y'all are right about that. I just think I have a lot of confidence in J.C. Horn, which which is maybe misplaced, especially for a rookie. And I, I and as also to say, I love that cornerback trio with Murphy Bunting as well. I, I'm a huge fan of that that group. Like I mentioned before, I think Antoine Winfield's also mm-hmm. uh, an all-pro safety this year. So, I mean, I love that team a lot. I just, man, I think I'm just really excited about J.C. Horn. And, and this young defense, I think we've mentioned pretty much every part of it. We didn't even mention Chin, who was great last year too, but... Um, there's just a lot of good spots in this defense, a lot of young talent that y'all should be worried about as Falcon fans. That's all I'll say. And I think you guys already. Oh know no, we that. are, we are. Yeah, I think I think you guys already. Know yeah, that. yeah I, for it, sure. It, it's that weird thing as a Falcons fan where Terry Fontenot was adamant about like we're not going to rebuild, we're just we're going to compete. And it's like, do you have the roster to compete though? Like it, the last thing that we want as Falcons fans is to be stuck in this endless road of mediocrity. Like if you have yes. to rebuild now in order to be able to succeed four years down the road, please do so. Do not drag on mediocrity. Just have to rebuild later. Like it's especially with how, you know, Tampa Bay just won a Super Bowl. The Saints are kind of in a bit of a flux. They're transitioning from Drew Brees, but they've still got a ton of talent. And the Panthers are up and coming. I just it just worries me that I we could definitely see the Falcons like fourth place in this division for the next two or three years. It wouldn't shock me if they just can't if they can't get the coaching right and actually find enough talent to make it work, it's, I don't know. I'm concerned. I think you should be. Um, But I mean, that doesn't mean, you know, you guys have generational talent, Kyle Pitts, right. And Calvin Ridley for the next, you know, there's some good spots for sure. But if that's everything, I think we just do a real quick wrap up. Um, I I think we kind of all in agreement. It seems like maybe the bucks and the saints of the pan or Okay, maybe we're not agreeing because I have Bucks, then Saints, then Panthers, then Falcons. I think maybe you guys are Bucks, Falcons, Saints, Panthers, or Bucks, Bucks, Panthers, Falcons, Saints. Well, how do you guys think the division will end up? I think just like I mean, a quick recap. Bucks, yeah. yeah, yeah. Bucks are obviously going to be the favorite. I mean, they they won the Super Bowl and they're clearly the best team. They have an easy schedule. Yeah, they'll be they'll, they they should be everyone's first out of this division. And after that, I, I feel like you're going to get a good mix of everything, even with the the Saints being in the in the downfall that they are currently in. For my personal projections right now, I have it Bucks, uh, Falcons, Panthers, Saints. Jonah, what do you think? Yeah, for me, again, easy Tampa Bay in first place. And then the rest, I mean, I have Saints at nine and eight, Falcons at eight and nine, and Panthers at seven and ten. So their records are super, super close. It could really be any order of them. I have Saints, Falcons, Panthers, but I think all teams, at least right now, are fairly close together. Cool. Okay. That was good. I'm glad we talked about this because I need a refresher on all these divisions. So especially with you guys who, who know the division probably better than I do, especially the Falcons. So it's good to get that recap. But yeah, why don't you guys plug your stuff again? Hit me up and then uh, we're good. 
All right, no problem. Well, we are JJ Talks. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter at JJ Talks Pod. Uh, we have new episodes every Tuesday and Friday morning, Eastern Time. Uh, thank you for having us on, uh, Jesse. Always a pleasure. Yeah, man, it's always a pleasure. I mean, if, if I didn't like you guys, I wouldn't have you on like six or seven times. So <laughs> I think it speaks for itself, you know? Um, yeah, I really do. for that championship in your league, man. Yeah, <laughs> man, it's going to be a fun year. I'm very excited. I'm getting, I'm starting to do my own, um, not for that league, but we're doing, I'm doing my first in-person draft. So I'm just really excited about this year, you know? Um, but yeah, all right, I think we're good here. Thanks for listening to the Bacon Games Podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at BGF Sports. And be sure to tune in next time.